there are some things which will happen to you guys whilst you're at school that you will want to remember for the rest of your life. And in 20, 30 years' time, you will sit in a cafe somewhere and you will reminisce with your friends and you will laugh for ages. But I can guarantee you also there will be things which you will want to forget. There will be embarrassments. There will be flunked exams. And although you want to erase them from memory, they will stick with you forever and ever. Now, if these things are in our memory and or if they end up in YouTube, we'll remember them. But the other place where these things are recorded for us are in our yearbooks. And Eric had his yearbook at WePM last week, and I was looking at it, and he went to my school. So it made me rummage around my cupboards to look for my yearbook, and I found it. And it's, it was hilarious looking back, Firhill, class of 2004. And as well as all the normal things like profiles and embarrassing baby photos, um, what, one of the things our, our yearbook did was they gave... Mr. Men characters and Little Miss characters to everybody in our year. Now, let me explain why this is, this is such a good idea. Here's a lesson about Mr. Men. <laughs> you didn't think you were getting that when you came tonight. <laughs> what a Mr. Man does, according to Wikipedia, so it must be right, is it picks up on the dominant characteristic of that person. So, the one thing which sticks out when you think of that person the dominant characteristic that everybody knows them for, that they are renowned for, makes them stand out. So, for example, if one of you guys was to ask me, what is Leah like? I could say, well, Leah is like Little Miss Chatterbox. Okay? Because she never shuts up. (laughs) Or if you said, what is Connor like? I could say, I don't know, is, is Connor Mr. Funny? No, Alistair Butler says no. Okay, Connor would be Connor could be Mr. Unfunny, because that is that is his dominant characteristic. Do you get the idea? A little miss or a Mr. Man picks up on the dominant characteristics of that person. If you must know, they got mine all wrong. I was Mr. Poser. Which, which for those of you who know me well will know is miles off. But As we read in Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, it is almost as if Paul is saying to the Thessalonians, do you know what? You guys have picked up a bit of a reputation. All the people in Macedonia and Achaia are talking about you. And do you know what? They are picking up on your main dominant characteristics. Look with me at verse 8. See, it says, The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Paul continues, Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you... When Paul meets with these people in Macedonia and Achaia and everywhere, they're talking about the Thessalonians. And Paul says, it's almost as if they're giving you Mr. Man characters. Or they're dubbing you a little miss. Based on the main things they're hearing about you. So tonight, all we're going to do is look at verses 9 and 10. And we're going to do Mr. Men Thessalonian style. We're going to see what were the dominant characteristics of this church in Thessalonica. And you'll see that in verse 7, 
they are held up as a model to these churches. So our question is, okay, if they are a model, do we reflect these dominant characteristics? When someone writes your yearbook, will they say, yeah, they were like Mr. dot, 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 or little miss so-and-so? That's our challenge this evening. So look with me at verse 9. They themselves tell you, here is our first Mr. Man. They tell how you have turned to God from idols. Mr. Turn to God from idols isn't terribly snappy. So let's call him Mr. Turned. Now, objection, you could cry right away. You're saying that they have been held up as a model for us. But we don't have idols. We don't have little fat men that sit on our mantelpiece that we bow down to. Well, in the words of Vicky Pollard, yeah, but no. You see, although we don't have physical idols, we just means we have to look harder. Here's, here's a definition of what idolatry is or what an idol is. It is any good thing that you make into a God thing. You get that? It is when you take a good thing and you put it in the place of God, thereby moving God off. Anything that you have in central position in your life. It is a good thing that you make the God thing. Now, do you know that can be anything, however small and however foolish. Do you know you can take a 1p coin and you can hold it up and you can block out the sun if you want to. And just like that, you can take a good thing, however small, and you can put it in the place of God's. You take a good thing and you make it into a God thing. Now, let's try and work out what some of our idols might be. Because we need to know what our idols are in order that we turn from them. Okay? Now, let's try and work out. I've, I've got five. And we're just going to look at them quickly. And here's the first one. Here's the first thing that we sometimes take as a good thing and make into a God thing. It is popularity. We make a God out of popularity. Here are some signs that you might be making this into a God. Everything you do, every action, every motive lies behind it being popular. It is all about what other people think of you. It is all about what other people think. You're the type of person who brags about how many friends you have on Facebook. You know, you're the type of person that the music you listen to, the clothes you wear, the way you speak, everything about you is determined by whether it will make you popular or not. And you know, if you make popularity a God thing, do you know what? You might, you might even end up doing things that you don't want to do. But because other people want you to do it, you will do it. So for example, you don't really want to go to that party and get drunk. But if you don't, you will lose friends and you will lose popularity. So you go along and you go with the flow, as it were, because you do not want to lose that God of popularity. And do you know the other thing about this idol? Is it might make you pretty two-faced. Because the problem is, I want to be these people's friends over here, so I'm going to dress like this, and I'm going to speak like that, and I'm going to listen to this music. But I also want to be their friends over here, so I'm going to listen to their music and wear their clothes. 
And at the end of the day, we are multi-faced because we are serving the God of popularity. Here's another one. We make ourselves the gods. We put ourselves in the place of gods. So everything we do is to present ourselves. If you are this person, then life is a catwalk. And every single thing is a mirror. So a TV screen or a mobile phone or a car window becomes a mirror because it is all about you and what you look like. You know, if, if you wake up in the morning, if you're this person, and you have a spot on the end of your nose, that is reason enough not to go to school because it will make you look bad. You're the type of person, if you trip up on the road, your first thought is, am I okay? it's not, am I okay, but did anyone see that? Did I get away with it? You, everything is about how I look, and do I look better than her or him? In fact, when you play football, it's not the winning that counts. It's the looking good whilst taking part. That's when you know you have made a God out of yourself. You've made a good thing a God thing. Here's another one. Academic success. Good grades. It was never really my problem. <laughs> But some of us, we define ourselves by the grades that we get, by the achievements that we make. And the God becomes that unconditional to that university. And you're the type of person that loves comparing answers at the end of an exam because it shows how little they know and how much you know and how much they got wrong and how much you got right. And you know what? You're the type of person maybe that hates helping other people. You hate helping other people revise or do homework because that will help them creep up to where you are success-wise. And you may even be willing to cheat to serve this God of academic success, of good grades. Here's another one. Money. It's probably a problem for all of us, is it not? So if this is you, then... Every course that you choose at school and the course you choose to do at university is not based on what I'm good at or even what I enjoy, but it's based on what is going to earn me the most money. Or maybe you choose your friends based on how rich their parents are. You ever had that motive in your head? I'm not going to shop with them because they can't shop in Jack Wills. I'm not going to be their friend because they don't wear nice clothes. And we make money the God thing. Or the first question you ask when you meet a friend and they've got a new top on is, how much did it cost? And we base our value on how expensive things are. And we make a God out of money, a good thing into a God thing. Here's the last one. Romance. can be another problem for all of us. We're not complete. We're not valued until we have someone's hand to hold at school. We're a nobody until we can change our Facebook status from single to in a relationship. Because the God becomes that boyfriend or girlfriend, and that is a danger. When the God becomes a boyfriend or a girlfriend, then do you know what? You'll be willing to do anything to get them and anything to keep them. So much so that you may even, you'll drop all your limits and you'll have no boundaries. You will be willing to do anything with them in order to keep them. And we make a good thing a God thing of romance. 
Now, it may be that we've, all of these things are idols that we struggle with. And that might be why Paul says in the passage, you have turned from idols, plural. Because the truth is, we skip from one to the other, don't we? All five of these, and more, might be the ones we struggle with. Now, Paul's point is this. The Thessalonian church, those Christians, were known from having turned from these idols. Have you? Do people know that you have turned from them? Is that your reputation? Do people say of you, you know what, he's changed. He used to be obsessed with being one of the lads. But now he's, he's not that bothered. Or, do you know, she's changed. She always used to want a boyfriend. But now she'll even say no to the hottest guy in school because he's not a Christian. Or he always used to be obsessed with himself. But now he even takes an interest in me. Do guys and girls at your school, do your friends at church, here's a test, do your parents know that you have turned from these idols? See, I think, I think my temptation a lot of the time is to do a kind of half turn. And we try and bring the one God in with our many idols. And we try and serve them all. And the question is, we're not serving God at all. Are you known for someone who has turned from these idols? Here's the next one. And to keep it fair, let's have a little miss. So we have Mr. Turned. Let's keep reading in the verse. So they tell how you have turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Here we have little miss serving. Now, if you like, this is the positive side of Mr. Turned. We Negatively, we turn from idols, and positively, we turn to serve the living and true gods. Now, think about this. We do serve whatever we have in the position of God, don't we? Whether that is God or whether it's an idol. So if we're serving popularity, we apply our money and our thoughts and our time and our enthusiasm into popularity. And we serve that thing. But if we are to turn from these idols, that means that now our money and our time and our enthusiasm and our energy should now serve God, who we have turned to. So the question is, are you known for someone who is serving God instead of idols? Here's what a little definition of service. It is getting busy on earth for Jesus like Jesus. Getting busy on earth for Jesus and like Jesus. We know, don't we? Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And his service was costly for him and it was for the good of others. And so that too should define our service. We are to be servants, not superstars. Let's think, because these guys have, how long do you have off school? Like six months soon? Three months, something like that. You've got a long time ahead of you for this summer. Let's question, how are we going to serve this summer that we have a break? Because the chances are, if you were anything like me, you'll sit on your backside, you'll watch the telly, and you'll do bog all. So how are we practically going to serve, get busy for Jesus, like Jesus, this summer? Here's some 
possibilities. You can do them all if you can. First one, these things should start in the home, shouldn't they? Mums will be nodding. These things start at home. It's what the Bible teaches. So the question is, you've got however many hours in a day, could you say to your mum or to your dad, how can I help you this summer? Is it emptying a dishwasher? Is it cutting the grass? Is it, I don't know, picking up your little sister from school? How can you serve your mum and dad at home this summer? It's a great place to start. And then once you've asked that, let's move out. Let's go to church. You could help out at creche or discoverers. You've got the festival coming up soon. Here's a great idea. We PM one night could go to the Point Cafe and you guys could be the waitresses and the waiters. You could be the people who hand out leaflets. You could be the people who sit at tables next to the punters and tell them about Jesus. That would be a great way to serve. Or here's another way. Take the back of the bulletin. Have a look. There are names there of people who are unwell and who are in hospital. You could ask your WPM and your focus leaders, or you could ask your mum and dad, say, mum and dad, there are loads of people in church who are unwell at the moment in hospital. Can we go and visit them one day this summer and encourage them with the Lord Jesus? What a great way to serve this summer. Or you can take it out further. Do you know, there are hundreds and thousands of Christians across the world who tonight and this summer will be persecuted for being Christians. And you know what? There are ways, there are organizations which will help you to write to these people so that you can encourage them while they're suffering for Jesus. There's a good way to spend a Sunday night at WPM. Write to persecuted Christians. Or say, once a week this summer, I'm going to write to a persecuted Christian. Or what you could do, some of you will get summer jobs and some of you will have allowances. Why not say, I'm going to give a little bit of my allowance every month to a missionary or to the church or to um, Christian organizations and say, I'm going to serve Jesus by doing that this summer. question is, will you be known? Will you have that dominant Mr. Man characteristic of serving Jesus, getting busy like him and for him? And you know what? It will be costly. It costs him everything. Is this one of your dominant characteristics? Could you be little miss serving? Here's the final one. Read on with me in the verse. We're in verse 9 and 10. So we've turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Mr. Waiting. Mr. Turned, Little Miss Serving, Mr. Waiting. What are you guys waiting for? Apart from the end of the sermon, what are you waiting for? Because what we are waiting for in the future affects how we live in the present, doesn't it? So the fact, the fact that you guys have summer holidays coming actually helps you get through term as it ends, doesn't it? That future event helps you get through the present hardships of school. Or think about it like this. If you have exams coming up, they affect how you live now because they should make you revise. They should make you listen in class. Some of you, it will affect the present because you'll get an early night the night before. Others of you, it will affect the present because you stay up all night the night before revising. But that future reality 
affects the present. And so too for the Thessalonians, they were known to be ones who were waiting for a future reality, waiting for Jesus. Do you see in verse 6, have a look there, the Thessalonians, they became imitators of these guys in spite of severe suffering. They were being persecuted for following the Lord Jesus. Do you know what got them through it? Knowing that Jesus is coming back. And with him is a glorious kingdom with no pain and no tears and no suffering. Now you guys, this summer you won't face severe persecution. But ask any of these other people who have been in the game longer than you. And they will tell you that the Christian life has hardships. Is that not right? These guys, you guys, will face bereavements. You'll face family breakups, some of you. Some of you may even lose friends because you are Christians. Is that not true? Do you know what gets us through? It is knowing that Jesus is coming back. And with him, a glorious kingdom. We should be Mr. Waiting. And that future event affects how we live. We should live now as we live then. We should live now as if thinking Jesus could return any moment. What is he going to find me doing? He could. Now, what is it we are waiting for? You see, Paul gets a little bit carried away at the end of this passage. I love it. Who is it we're waiting for? He just goes on and on. We're waiting for his son from heaven. Paul, who's that? It's the one whom he raised from the dead. Paul, who's that? It is Jesus. Paul, who is that? The one that rescues us from the coming wrath. We're waiting for Jesus. And the day we are waiting for is a day of wrath. It is a day of punishment. You know, idolaters, those who take good things and make them into God things, they are those who deserve punishment. I deserve the wrath of God in all its fury because I am an idolater. Because I have been facing idols. And do you know how 2 Thessalonians describes this day? Listen to these verses from 2 Thessalonians 1. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with eternal, everlasting destruction and shut out from his presence, the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. That is what I deserve. Everlasting destruction wrath, God's punishment, being shut out from God's presence. That is what idolaters deserve. But we are waiting for the one who rescues us from that coming wrath. Jesus. Jesus who came to earth from heaven and who hung on a cross undeservedly and who bore, who met the full wrath, the punishment of God. He was destroyed, 
shut out from God's presence on the cross so that he could rescue me. So that on that day of wrath that is coming, as the wave of God's wrath comes towards me, as I stand in Jesus and with Jesus and sheltered by his cross, that wave of wrath hits him. He dies. He is punished. He is shut out from God's presence. And not a drop, not a single drop of that wrath hits me. Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. We turn from idols. We serve God. We wait for him. But these things do not save us. Jesus saves us from the coming wrath. And so we turn. So we wait. So we serve. The Thessalonians were known everywhere for being people who had been rescued by Jesus. When people come to write your yearbook, will the first thing that springs to mind be that you are people who have been rescued by Jesus and so you have turned and you are serving and you are waiting for him? Please, don't be someone who gets called Mr. Poser. Be someone who is called Mr. Turned or Little Miss Waiting or Mr. Serving because Jesus rescues us from the coming wrath. Make these your dominant characteristics. Now let me, let me speak to you as we close. If this is all new to you, if you're not used to studying the Bible and you, you had no idea that Mr. Man came into it anywhere, but one question, what is, what is the thing that you have in the God position in your life? You might even call yourself an atheist, but you will still have something, that you, a good thing that you have made into a God thing. What is that? You can work it out by asking various questions. Ask, if there was one thing in my life that I could change, what would it be? Or ask, where do I run to for comfort? Or ask, where do I get most joy from? Or even ask, what do I moan about the most? And you will pretty soon identify what is in that God position. And then simply ask of it, does it work? Does it work as a God? Does it fulfill the deepest longings of my heart? Does it comfort me in sorrow when I flunk my exams? When my granny dies? Does it answer the questions about life, the universe, and everything? Do you know what? It won't. Because it can't. They are no gods at all. They are dead and they are false. Do you want an example of how idols don't work? Look at Susan Boyle. What a lovely lady. For 47 years, she dreamed to be like Elaine Page. She dreamed to sing in front of thousands of people. She dreamed of being famous, almost as if she had made a good thing into a God thing. And do you know what? Susan Boyle got that idol. She became famous beyond her wildest dreams. She sung not in front of thousands, but in front of millions of people. Do you know, I checked YouTube, 26 and a half million views on YouTube. She got her idol. And what happened? She ends up in rehab. Because idols don't work. We think 
if I get that idol, if I get popular, I'll be happy. But just look at Susan Boyle who got that idol and it half kills her because idols do not work. But one bigger question to ask of an idol, will it rescue me from the coming wrath? Christians are to be people who are waiting for this day. But all of us, whether we know it or not, are waiting. It is coming. And on that day, we will stand before God and the wave of God's wrath will come towards us. On that day, will you stand? And will you say, God, look how popular I am. Rescue me. God, look at my straight A's and my hires. Rescue me. God, look how good-looking my boyfriend is. Rescue me. God, look how rich I have got. Rescue me. These idols are powerless to save us. But they are mighty powerful to kill us. Powerless to save, but powerful to kill. Please, see your idol and your idols for what they are. They are no gods at all. And then see Jesus, the one who rescues us from the coming wrath through his cross as he dies in the place of sinners. And then you are someone who must turn and serve the living and true gods. Let's pray together.